Good morning, everyone. Good morning to our brothers and sisters in Christ at Adam. We are simulcasting this, and you may be wondering why am I in a shirt like this? Because June is a special month. Welcome back, everybody, from school holidays. You want to turn to people and say, Welcome back from school holidays. You look so refreshed. You can say that to each other. You look like you put on weight. You can also say that to each other. For those who are tuning in, as we gather here as God's people, like every church around the world, we gather to always behold the mercy of God, the grace of God. And June is a special month for us here in Singapore, in our churches. And for us, two special things, two special spiritual highlights was we had the church camp. Amen? All those who went to church camp, this survey is being done here at Bishan and also at Adam, all those who went to church camp, hands up. All those who didn't go, why not? <laughs> we'll see you there next year. Maybe you couldn't get in because we ran out the spaces. And then, over the past week, the spiritual highlight of singing the gospel to each other as part of our growth together. And so we had the Gettys come, have two seminars as Joel prayed for us, and also for the concert last night. So how many of you were there at the concert last night? Hey, how many were not there? We'll see you the next time. And so we are here, and here at Bishan, the Gettys left immediately after the concert because they are en route to Sydney for their Sing Asia, which includes Australia, and they're going to be at the Sydney Opera House. Uh, but they left somebody behind. His name is Matt Papa. And so Matt Papa is here with us at Bishan. The people at Adam, please don't feel that you have been left out. Please don't come over now. Stay where you are, right? Because somewhere in the future, the Lord willing, Matt Papa will come and sing for us again. Amen? Let's give him a warm welcome. Yeah. So what we do on the last week of June every year is to summarize the camp so that we, across five services, with 2,000 plus adults, we are 1,000 children and 400 youth, will always be one in Christ Jesus. So nobody is left behind, nobody is left apart. So the theme of the year and the theme of our camp is strengthening faith, strengthening family. Yep. And so what do we learn? If I gave you one chance to change the world, what would you do? Some of us might try to change the world politically, you join politics. Some of us try to change the world by some career, banking, doctoring, right, engineers. What would you do? If God gave you one chance to change the, change the world, what would you do? So one chance to change the world, the pain on giving up an MRT seat, that's on the right-hand side, you see that? I took that from Storm. And this year, that, that was last year, but this year there was another one when an older man stood in front of a younger man and asked him for his seats. And the younger man protested and basically said to him, I pay the same fare as you, why should I give up my seat? This is Singapore. We are supposed to be first world. Have we, have we changed from being a third world nation to a first world nation? We have grown richer, but not necessarily, we have become, we have become poorer in spirit, not necessarily richer in spirit. And those are worrying things. Then the power of helping the elderly. One of my friends in Australia, a pastor, was telling me about his son, who always from young had a special eye, special heart for the elderly. And in his local church, he looked out for this particular man in his church in, in Australia and always looked out to help him. As the man grew older and older, he needed help, especially to mow the lawn, cut the grass in his garden. And so he did. And when this elderly person in his church passed on, 
Guess what? This young man who helped with the elderly man received an inheritance of his house. So always look out for old folks. <laughs> always look out for old folks. That's the wrong reason, right? You know the point I'm getting at. The world that we live in is lacking in love. And that's why every time we gather, we behold the love of God through Christ Jesus and poured out by His Spirit. And so, what do we know about Jesus from John's Gospel that we learn from in the first part of the year? Let's read this portion. Can everybody read that? Just that verse there. He came. Have you ever been rejected by your own? Your own father, your own mother, your own brother, your own sister, your own wife, your own... God sent His Son to His own people, Israel. And you think of all the nations, Israel would recognize prophets sent by God. And ultimately, Israel would recognize God's Son in the flesh. They didn't. Instead, they chose to kill Him. So after Jesus performed one of His signs, He raised Lazarus from the dead. If you saw Jesus did this, you would say something along these lines, I do not know who He is, but I know He is not who I am. He's a man of God. He's a man from God. Could He possibly be the Son of God? Could He be the Messiah? And see what the chief priests did. Can you read this portion together? So Jesus now calls a new family because the old family of God, Israel, old Israel, rejected God. And how do you know they rejected God? By rejecting God's Son. The Word become flesh. Can we read that verse? But to all? So when we hold out to you a theme for the year, Strengthening faith, strengthening family is not something we thought up. This is the family of God, purchased by the blood of Christ, which is infinitely more precious because our biological families came about, if you read John's Gospel, the prologue, it came about by the will of men. But the family of God comes about by the will of God. And the will of God is that His Son comes into the world to take God's wrath, to destroy the devil's work, to wash away your sins, and to make you no longer enemies of God, but children of God. And so we are the family of God. We are the children of God. But you do not become family unless you humbly confess your sin and humbly accept Jesus as your Savior and your Lord. So by the time we arrive at John 13 to 17, what we call the farewell teaching, the big word in English, the farewell discourse of Jesus. Jesus preparing them that he, would, he has come into the world He's selected his 12 disciples, but soon he's going to disappear from their lives. They have been wowed by his teaching, wowed by his miracles, just wowed by him. But soon he's going to go missing from their lives. They don't understand this. And so he teaches the new family of God. He cleanses them by what? By washing the, their feet, a sign of what he would do for them when he dies on the cross. And then he empowers them by speaking of the third person of the Trinity. That once Jesus finishes, He returns to the Father, He sits at God's right hand, and when He sits at God's right hand, He sits there glorified in His body, 
not spirit. And he sits there together with the Father to send the Spirit into our life so that we, the church, will go forth and finish the Great Commission to preach the gospel to every nation, to every corner of Singapore, from the north as far as Woodlands, to the south as far as Sentosa, to the east as far as Changi, to the west as far as Pasir Panjang. Not very far. Lah. But only at the moment, 12% of Singaporeans are Christians, Protestant Christians. If you push further, that's the official figures, right? How many are there, really? So if God could change one thing, He would change us. And Jesus' final teaching ends with Him praying for Himself, praying for the 12 disciples, and then praying for every believer. That means Jesus, before He died, prayed for you. I was just going to pause there. Jesus, before He died, prayed for you and for me. And the only reason you came to faith somewhere along the line, and I came to faith as a young student in Sydney, Australia, at the Billy Graham crusade, without knowing who Billy Graham was. I was from a Buddhist Taoist background. I was invited there by a friend, and for the first time I heard the gospel. That is an answer to Jesus' prayer. And I've been kept 40 years from 1979 to now. 40 over years, 44 years. And the only reason I stand here still believing in Christ, still living for Christ, still singing for Christ, is not because I'm strong, I went to Bible college. It's because Jesus continues to pray for me and for you. Amen? Can you believe that? Can you allow that to soak that into your life, into your heart? And so now before the feast of the Passover, can we read this? Amen. Stop there. <laughs> Not note the coming and going. In this passage, John 13 to 17, there's a lot of coming and going. And now from this point onwards, Jesus is going to speak about his going, his going, his going back to the Father. So in Hokkien, for Matt Papa's sake, there's a phrase called Kialai Kiakur. So Jesus has come from heaven to earth, from there to here. Then he walked around from Galilee to Jerusalem. And now he's going to go back. So he's coming, he's going, and then he's going to send his spirit. The spirit will come. And when the spirit comes, we go. And when we go, people come. Are you lost? This coming and going is very important. Unless Jesus goes, the spirit doesn't come. Unless the spirit comes, we cannot go to the nations. Unless we go to nations and share the gospel with our lives and our lips, people cannot come to know the true and living God, to live in eternity with him. Jesus, knowing the Father had given all things into his hands and had come from God, was going back to the Father, rose from supper. Can you carry on reading? He laid aside. And we could say in Singlish, why Jesus so drama? It's very important that no master ever washes a disciple's feet. And if you're coming to a meal, you actually have taken a bath. By the time you walk, it's all sandy. They have sandals. You just wash the feet. 
And usually it's the servant that welcomes you there. And usually it's a Gentile servant. And that's important for us to realize. If God does only one thing for us, as seen in Jesus' foot washing in John chapter 13, He will move to save us. And Jesus' foot washing is only a small picture of the bigger picture of Him dying on the cross, washing us clean by His blood, not simply the water of the feet. So what does He come to wash us clean? What does He come to cancel in your life and my life? Our pride, our unlove for God and for each other. Jesus come to save us from Satan and sin, and the heart of sin is self-love at expense of God, at expense of neighbour. And so, pride kills, humility saves. You can't read it, right? So this man is hanging, right? He's about to fall off the cliff, but he hung onto a branch, but he's got a heavy thing called pride. He's got to decide whether he wants to let go pride and then save himself or hang on to his pride. Do you believe that pride kills your marriage? Is that why you are seated here with so much joylessness? Do you know pride kills a, mar- a family? That you didn't say sorry to your son or your daughter? You didn't sorry- say sorry to your father or mother? Pride kills. Humility saves. That's what Jesus showed as he got down on his knees and wiped the disciples, washed the disciples' feet. Right? And so you check your vision lately of yourself. You look yourself in the mirror. What do you see? Can you see what pride is doing to your heart? Can you see what pride is doing to your relationships? Can you see what pride is doing to your friendships? Can you see what pride is doing to your marriage? Can you see what pride does? And can you see the opposite? Humility. A simple, I am sorry, Mona. That's my wife who sits there. And Mona, can you please say sorry? I'm just testing for those who can't hear. Yeah. You want to turn to people around you and say, I'm sorry? And you say, for what? (laughs) If we are really confessional for every thought, word, and deed in our lives that falls short of the glory of God, that the way you think is not the way God wired you to think, that the way you speak is not the way God designed you to speak, that the way you do things is not the way you should be doing things in a day. And so we should say sorry often to God. And where do you find this? You find this in the Lord's Prayer, or should be the disciples' prayer. So pride kills, humility saves. Beware the many faces of pride. So show me pride in the faces of the disciples. The disciples were pinned to their seats. This is a a painting. But in a Jewish setting, when they ate a meal, this is what they did. Look here. They reclined. And as Jesus got up, they all remained reclining. And they'll be served. And so they were pinned to their reclining position. And Jesus was liberated by humility to stand up, wrap the towel, get the wash basin, get down on his knees and wash the dirty, grotty feet of his disciples. Have you ever washed the feet of anyone in your life? You just pay the foot massage person. And that's a small picture of dying on the cross. So as you live now, if God asks you, your life, every day you live, are you powered by pride or are you powered by humility? 
They are totally different things altogether. Jesus was empowered by humility to get up from his reclining position to wash the disciples' feet. And so how does that work? The many faces of pride at that meal, the disciples' passivity, the disciples do nothing. When Jesus washed one of the disciples' feet, the next one could say, no, no, Lord, let me do it. But all 12, right, didn't get up to do this. Then there's Judas' judgmentalism. By this point, John 13 begins that, his, that Satan was already tempting him. By the end of John 13, Satan entered into him. The full-blown work of Satan from tempting to melting, you melting down under Satan's temptation and giving him. And Peter's self-sufficiency, he has said, though everyone denies you, I'll never deny you. These are all marks of our unlove. And if we don't own up to this, we are on the road to damnation. When Jesus stands up out of humility, he leads us on the road to salvation. So the many faces of pride there, the impatience. Increasingly, the disciples were impatient with Jesus. Let's go to Jerusalem. Let's go to Jerusalem. When we go to Jerusalem, who will be sitting at your right hand and left hand? The sons of Zebedee, the mother of Ze uh, the sons of Zebedee asked that question. The impatience running ahead of God. But Jesus was always functioning according to the hour of God. The hour is not yet. The hour is not yet. But by John 13, this is the hour to display his love to the full, and he loved them to the full. Presumption, thinking so highly of ourselves. And Jesus says to Judas, whatever you want to do, go and do it quickly. So he walked out in the dark of the night, and the disciples gathered there, they thought, oh, is Judas going out to give money to the poor? Is he going out to buy food for us? They thought so highly of him. When, Jesus was when Judas was thinking so lowly of Jesus, that he had plotted with the chief priest to betray him. And John 17 would end and 18 begins, Judas leads the whole platoon of soldiers and kisses Jesus on the cheek and he's arrested. And, Judas, and Jesus just looks at Judas. You didn't understand what I was trying to tell you. Did you always raise ahead of me? Did you always love money more than me? Did you never believe in me? So judgmentalism thinking badly of, of others, so full of self, so empty of others. So Jesus' model for God's family, beginning with the 12, this 12 minus 1, Judas, would be the starting of God's family. From this 11 men, then plus Paul the apostle, safe on the road to Damascus, the good news of Jesus Christ has gone to America. The good news of Jesus Christ has come to Malaysia and to Singapore. The good news of Jesus Christ is saving people now and will save people until the Lord Jesus comes and we will be with Him. So we are not to be obsessed with the pride of succession. And this can happen in families. Singaporeans, we are famous for some things. We are infamous for some other things. Not a week passes in which our law courts don't have a case of siblings suing each other for their parents' inheritance. So who should get more of dad's share? Who should get more of mum's share? I didn't get a cent from my parents. I've said this again and again. The only heirloom I got from my parents is this chain. And only the three sons got it because my parents couldn't afford much. 
But I love my parents and I'm glad they didn't give me any money because we didn't fight among the 12 children for, their inheritance, for our inheritance. Not to be concerned about pride of succession, but the humility of service. I tell you now as an older pastor and moderator of the Presbyterian Church, whether it's our denomination or out there, whether it's in America or in, in Africa or in Asia, the Church of Jesus Christ is caught up with pride. And you've got to pray for humility among the, the pastors, humility among the elders and deacons, because it's a humility that really imitates God. Amen? And so the many faces of Jesus' love, His patient explanation to Peter, His kindness to the disciples' pride, His loving of Judas and washing the feet of the one He knew who would betray Him. This is love for the enemies. This is love for the enemies. And Paul the Apostle will say in 1 Corinthians 13, love is patient and love is kind. You see that in the Lord Jesus Christ. Love is patient and love is kind. And love is patient means love is long-suffering to those who are mean against towards us. It's good-hearted to those who are bad-hearted towards us. And so Jesus, disarming humility, that's what you need in your life. Whether you're young or old, try telling your young children. I've got some in front here. Are there some in front in, in Edinburgh? When your children fight, tell, try telling them, say sorry to Koko, which is elder brother. Say sorry to Mimi. Did you teach them that? Did you teach them the reluctance to say sorry? There's something in our fallen DNA that will not say sorry. It's a determination never to say sorry to God and say sorry to each other. And Jesus comes to reverse that. You have no power to overcome that. So love on bended knees. There are many ways to serve with our hands. So you could serve as ushers, you could serve in the children's church, you could serve in basic audio ministry, you could serve the elderly, you could serve in music ministry. And when we serve, we do not know what our heart condition is. But there's only one way to serve with our hearts, humility. Amen? So if you're serving, and you're serving without love, and love expressing humility, then maybe you should pause from serving. And that's very important for us to realize. So the pride, repent of pride in small bites, impatience. And impatience can work out in many ways. Your wife is talking to you, 30 seconds into your wife talking to you, I know what you're going to say, Mona, please stop. Your husband is talking to you, I know what you're going to say, please stop. Your teenager is talking to you, I know what you're going to say, please stop. He has just taken the risk to share his or her pain with you. As a young man or woman growing up in a world that has lots of pressures, both in the real world and the virtual world, and three seconds into the teenager talking, you have cut them off. You have said, you're always like that. I've always known you, you have always like that. We have no patience. We reach our premature conclusions. We are judgmental. And there are big words there for the children. Our children are very clever. Children, you think you can pronounce malevolence. Malevolence. Four syllables. All children, we try. Malevolence. Are you still with me? Yes. Right? Malevolence means bad-hearted. Right? Then we try the other word, benevolence. Try benevolence. Benevolence means good-hearted. 
We think that our parents are bad-hearted towards us when we don't, they don't allow us to go out for a party, do a, play a game. We think they are bad-hearted when our parents are good-hearted. We think our children are bad-hearted when they seem not, to be able, not willing to talk to us. And so there's a lot of this that Satan works on in our lives. So are you walking around like an arsonist, just gaslighting fights? in your family, in the church? Or are you walking around like a fireman, a firewoman putting out fires? I tell you, one of my main jobs as a pastor is to be peacekeeper, putting out fires in people's hearts. As long as you, we have quarrels, I will always have a job. Thank God. Please keep quarreling. I don't have to encourage you to quarrel because you are a walking quarreling machine. I don't have to encourage you to do that. So how about newness? Love in small bites, right? Grateful. Grateful for the people God has blessed you with. Grateful for your father, for your mother. Grateful for your brother, for your sister. And I've given this illustration many times at weddings that we do. No matter how late the bride arrives, and one wedding I did, the bride arrived about 45 minutes to an hour late. There was a traffic jam at, at, at Orchard Road. But even though she arrived 45 minutes to an hour late, the bridegroom stood there as she walked in. He smiled. You try that in your marriage. You arrive late for your husband. Five minutes, he wants to divorce you. What happened between that one day and your married life? So I do not know how you greet each other when your children come back from school, when your husband or wife comes back from school, right? When your father comes back from work, they walk through the door and you go, ah, oh, you think your father's name is Ah, your mother's name is A, right? So one day I walked back and Mona was busy on the phone and she said, Hi Mona, and Ah. I said, my name is Chris. He doesn't do it all the time, but I thought we better give a real example. Sometimes I do that too, she walks in and says, Ah, we got to stop that. No matter how busy we are, unless it really is an emergency, why don't you welcome them and say, welcome home? You could have died on the way. Is that true? We bury young and old here in ERPC. Not just in ERPC, in every church. And so welcome each other. Love in small bites. Always be thankful for small things, big things. Your mother cooks you a meal after working so hard. Don't say, Ayah, mom, today, why? Huh? Like that. Thank God you got food. Prayerful for all people. So Jesus' highest calling is this. Want to read this, everybody? A new commandment. So I'm the true vine. This was read earlier. So like Father, like Son, Spirit, when Jesus was here, He communed with the Father in prayer. He kept being obedient to the Father's will, even to the point of death on the cross. And He kept loving the Father, not my will but yours be done, and He kept loving us as the chosen people of God. So we should abide in Jesus' word and Jesus' love. In a world that hates us, and Jesus will end, will begin John 13 by warning of Satan, he will end John 17 by warning of Satan that the 
ask that you do not take them, Heavenly Father, out of this world, but you protect them from the evil one. So I want to ask you, do you take Satan seriously? If you take Jesus seriously, you will take Satan seriously and spiritual warfare seriously. If you don't take God and Jesus seriously, you will also not take spiritual warfare seriously. That's why your life, your friendships, your relationships are going nowhere but south. That means it's going downhill. And so where John Lennox speak to us, he spoke about the singing brain, right? And basically the message is, there's a fierce battle for, for, for our brains, for our minds, because our minds are first and last line of defense. Be transformed by the renewing of your minds. Paul will write in Romans chapter 12, verse 2. And he says, the left brain works out how? In the world that we live in, we now overvalue the left brain. We now idolize science. There's a science to this. There's a science to this. As long as there's a science to this, it is the truth and nothing but the truth. But the right brain given by God works out the why. And we undervalue why. We undervalue who we are. We undervalue relationships. And so we undervalue the worship of God. And Satan in Genesis chapter 3 has swapped when Eve saw that the fruit of the tree of knowledge of good and evil was appealing, she took it. She forgot to listen to the word of God. So be very careful if six hours of your time on your phone is visual input and entertainment that makes you forget to listen to the word of God. That is why we must keep preaching the word of God, singing the word of God with the Gettys coming and City Alight coming and then living the gospel with each other. It's about winning mind share because generation after generation are lost to TikTok, talk, talk, whatever talk. And that's why we get it into bite size. The more we can get you there looking, 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 the less you will be in hearing. Every article. So I just met someone who's a writer, a fiction writer, right? And now you have to write fiction in 3,000 words. Everything you write now, you have to put in brackets. This is a five-minute read. This is a 10-minute read. This is a 20-minute read. As if we have to apologize for making you read slightly longer. Is that all you can read? Three minutes? Is that all you can read? More than five paragraphs you can't read? The average young person's ability to read a whole book is less and less and less. And so there was a founder in Silicon Valley. He became really rich from a cancer cure that he discovered, uh, a Korean-American. And he decided to buy a major American newspaper, I don't know, Boston Global. Los Angeles Times, and his whole commitment to buying Los Angeles Times, he believes that when God made us in his image, he wired us for word. He spoke word into us. And he never believes that young people cannot read. So don't fool yourself. You cannot listen to a half-hour sermon, a one-hour sermon. Don't fool yourself. You cannot read beyond 20 minutes. That Satan lie, the visual for the oral, for the heart, for the mind. With Graham Stanton, he came and spoke to the youth and spoke to the adults. And he had two wonderful workshops that I attended. And he got us to do wonderful things. You see the youth? They're not listening. They were. He gave us an exercise where we stood four together and to do many things together. And we learned things about what it meant. How to pass the gospel to our children's grandchildren. 
Do we pray for them? And what is it you can learn from youth? So beautiful things you can love, learn from youth, right? That the youth bring with them a, an innocence, a contribution that we are blindsided as adults. And so the world's family versus God's new family. You see what pride can do? You see what humility that follows Jesus can do? It will save your heart. It will save your marriage. It will save your family. It will save the church. Right? And so we summarize that, and this is important. You didn't go for the camp, you went to camp. It begins with being nutty. The most important thing is you love Jesus, and you won't love Jesus until you behold his love for you. Ephesians chapter 3 that you together with all the saints will grasp the height, the depth, the length and breadth of God's love for us in Christ Jesus. Keep your quiet time. That's what Keith Getty said when they asked him, what's the secret of his ministry? His time with God. You ask anybody who is thriving in their life, it is their walk with God every day. The reading of God's word, the remembering of God's word in our life and the living by God's word. Out of that, you go forth to love your family, to love the family of God in church. And out of that, you go to a world that hates us. You know why? Because it hates the God who sent us into the world. So we are called to be, in, in a nutshell, simply nutty, called to be huggy, called to be jimby. What does that mean? So I stole this picture from, from Graham Stanton. Say parenting isn't stressful at all. Just look at the. F Not at all. He's only 31 years old. No lie. Right? And so I just stole this. And by God's grace, right, I'm now a grandfather of two grandkids. And by God's grace, this is our 33rd year of parenting ARPC spiritually. And so this is how we look when we got married. That's me. Huh? It's not a fake photo, no? That's me with perm hair before BTS discovered perm hair. You think Korean stars are modern now. Nah? We did this 40 years ago. Come on, <laughs> right? And so there we were, right? My wife looks pretty much the same because I've loved her well. <laughs> I got grey hair because my whole family is grey. And so what has parenting through the years done to us, right? So in 1 Thessalonians 2, Paul speaks about pastoring as like a nursing mother caring for her children. Because we love you so much, we were delighted to share not only the gospel of God, but share our lives with you as well. And you know how we dealt with each of you as a father deals with his children, encouraging you, comforting you, urging you to live lives worthy of God, who calls you into his kingdom and his glory. So we tried to do that. Together with the pastors and the elders and the deacons, I've tried to do that with all my heart. Forgive me of my failures. And so we tried to be huggy, all the way from, you know, in my own family, right? looking after the humans and those other grandchildren, looking after the cat, which I don't naturally love, but through time, the cat loves me. <laughs> and then Huggy, parenting from weddings to babies to anniversaries. There's a picture of our deacon. We are, when he got married, I was clearing my, my, my office one day and came across, I keep almost all the photos that you give me of your weddings. You'll be surprised. And that's me with black hair, right? And it's important. And then we celebrated anniversaries, the 50th wedding anniversary of Hang Chi and his wife. And in between, we, we baptized children. What else do we do? Hangi, those are men from Helping Hand, 
our brothers and sisters in Christ who come and mainly worship here in Bishan. After the service, do you say hello to them? And that's the next photo there at the bottom, bottom left-hand side, is us bringing the glorious gospel, caroling at Hong Ka, because we are going to be there at Tengah, Bukit Butter West, singing. We sang so well, the team, that they want us to sing at everything. So they invited us to sing at the National Day celebrations. Say, can you sing in Tamil? Can you sing in Malay? We'll try, we'll try. See that? And then with our staff, we go for outings, we go for walks, right? And that's important. And then Jimby reaching out, let's carnival, we're going to have that. And that was, that was uh, three years ago. Then reaching out, look on the left-hand side, do you see that? We just got this a week ago. Anxiety, depression could be costing Singapore's GDP about $16 billion a year. Do you not think that we have an unfinished mission to go and bring people to salvation and wholeness in mind, in, in heart, in, in life? That people are mentally unwell uh, because they're spiritually unwell. $16 billion is just a guesstimate of a financial cost. And then that picture in the middle is me with two, three pastors. I went to speak at their camp about five years ago. They are Presbyterian churches in the east of, of Singapore. And he thought, being smaller churches, can we just unite right, and become one church so that we are more, more effective together? I went to speak, and just last year, they decided we'll merge two churches, Katong Presbyterian and Hope Presbyterian. So their new name is Hopeful Katong. Or hopefully Katong. I don't know which one. And it took five years to unite in that way. I went to a gathering, and then, as I spoke at this camp, the young folks were there. You know, it's not easy to bring two churches together, have a camp together, especially the youth are a little bit tentative with each other. And then, a year later, I meet up at another setting, and this couple comes up to me and say, do you remember us? I say, please remind me. Say, we were at that camp that you, you spoke and encouraged us to be united. I'm from the Hope Youth Fellowship. She's from the Katong Youth Fellowship. We met at the camp, and we got married. Not at the camp, not later. There's goodness in this, don't you think? Goodness. And that's why we should think of this and live this way. It all begins with you being nutty, and that's me enjoying my quiet time. Whether I'm here in Singapore, here with Mona, there with my children, and there's our son teaching our granddaughter how to do this, and that's our grandson. We try as much as possible to sing the scriptures at meal times, right? Read the Bible, and I didn't show you a clip in which the elder the granddaughter, you know, she was there in the court with the brother and she was holding on to Titi who's eight months old learning to, 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 to stand up and she grabs hold of him, Titi sit down, read Bible, Titi sit down, read Bible. And I said, that's wonderful, she's only two years old, you know. Whatever you model in your life will come true. Are we serious about this? I'm not inviting big stars to come and sing for you. I'm practicing what I learned from the Lord Jesus. I didn't grow up in a Christian home. Nobody taught me scriptures. I didn't, go into, I didn't go to Sunday school. I didn't go to youth fellowship. But I'm determined to be as Christian as can be, to be a spiritual father to you and spiritual mothers to you, the pastors, the elders and deacons. Amen? So let's go and win the world. So our Nutty and Hagi roadmap ahead, abiding in Jesus' words. The next series beginning this week is Romans, God's love for us, a righteousness from God. Then we're going to teach the whole church a way to share the gospel, two ways to live. 
For we look forward to ARPC and our third site, Tengah. And unless we pray to ignite the passion to share the gospel with a Singapore that spends $16 billion on depression and mental unwellness, and that is only the tip of the iceberg. You think your friend in school, you think your friend in university, you think your friend in poly, you think your colleagues at work don't need Jesus and his love? Think again. We need salvation. And then we're going to have equipped number two. Mark Diva is going to come. He's prepping for us one church in three places. And then deities have come, singing and winning the minds, city alight in partnership with Redemption Hill and the Methodist Church. Let's carnival on August 19. About five schools, we can reach out to them. Vitally important. For Let's Carnival, we're going to mobilize all the 88 discipleship groups. This is not an option for you to take part. This is a small expression of what it means to go out and reach a world, our own Singapore, which is not very huge, but needs to hear the glorious gospel. So our personal response, cry, confess, repent, yield. You hang loose with the pride of life. You hold tight to Jesus, the humility. Jesus' humility, amen? Everything else, you hang loose. It's going to come, it's going to go. The successes, the disappointments, the pain and the pleasures, they all have to do with the pride of life. You hang tight to Jesus and His love and His humility. So in John 13, you learn that humility saves, pride kills. John 14, shalom for troubled hearts. John 15, temptation to give up. John 15, Jesus is the vine, we are the branches. We persevere in obedience and love. And when we persevere in obeying Jesus' word, when we persevere in imitating His love, we will experience His joy. Did you realize that? Could it be that you are joyless? Because you have not persevered either in Jesus' word or love, which includes the forgiving of each other, the reconciling of each other, and the maturing in this love. And John 16, we need the Spirit's power and in John 17, Jesus prays for himself and against the devil's schemes. And I got this quote from the successor to the founder of OMF, Hudson Taylor. The man who succeeded him was Dixon Hose. And in the 1800s, nobody wanted to go to China except Christians. China was the poorest nation on planet Earth. Only determined Christians became missionaries of China. Hundreds of missionaries arrived in China, southern China. But as Hudson Taylor looked after his missionaries, as Dixon Hose took over the looking after, he found the missionaries fighting with each other quite a lot, disagreeing, petty quarrels. And then he coined something along these lines, he wrote something along these lines. If you don't wrestle with God in prayer, you'll wrestle with men. I added in, if you don't wrestle with God in prayer in your own life, you will wrestle with each other in pettiness. If you pray for me, you have no quarrels with me. True? If you pray for your wife, you have no quarrels with your wife. If you don't wrestle with God in prayer and leave all your conflicts there, to leave all your entitlements there, to leave all your expectations there, you will always ask for things from people. And so, this is a picture of the camp, right? That took half an hour to organize. 1,100 people. Can you give yourselves a big hand? So is our witness of love and unity for God's glory. 
Brothers and sisters in Christ, God's hand is definitely upon us. We have tried to exercise Huggy, right? Humility, unity for God's glory. We are now going to go and do Jimby, which means not in my backyard is NIMBY. You want to build a hospital? Not in my backyard. You want to sit on my seat on MRT? Not on my seat. You want to do something? Not over my dead body. That's the world that we live in. We should switch from NIMBY, not in my backyard, not on my seat, to Jimby. Jesus is in my heart. And you want to take my seat? Take my seat. I don't even have to ask you. Right? The moment I see you, I stand up to serve you. Because humility empowers me. Pride roots you to your seat. We can do this, ARPC. Amen? In Adam, are we hearing that? We can do this in Christ Jesus. Amen? Amen. And we can do this for God's glory. So memorize Jesus' seven I am sayings. Memorize John's gospel. We put our competition in the camp. And so many people memorize this. And we said the first will get a free camp next year. I'm going to honour that. The first you who got that was Lucas. The first adult who got that was Huilin. And so we want to thank God for all who kept this to heart. And three young girls, teenagers, memorised the whole of John 1 to 21. Big hand. Right. As I mentioned, John 1, can you remember? John 1. I remember John 2 had to do with wine. All 21 chapters. And so I'm the bread of life, I'm the light of the world, I'm the of the sheep, I'm the good shepherd, I'm the resurrection of life, I'm the way, the truth, and the life, I'm the true vine. Not too hard to remember, is it? Every day that you live. And that's what we can do. Here in Bishan, we're going to celebrate the communion. Then, Adam, you're going to close with the song. This is how Jesus has come to love us. He's come to save us. He's come to sanctify us from a world that hates God and hates His people. And then He strengthens us by sending His Spirit to us. We're going to behold Jesus and His love and His mercy for us. Let's stand and pray together in closing. Let's quieten ourselves. Young or old. Shh. We thank you Almighty God, that you have made us your children. And we did not become your children, and we do not become your children by good works, by our own intention or goodwill. We become your children by your goodwill towards us. We become your children because you sent your Son to die for us, to love us, to rise from the dead, to bring us home to our true home, where we enjoy love unto your glory forever and ever. We thank you you have not left us as orphans. We thank you that you have poured out your spirit. And if we abide in you, Jesus, in your words, that the cross is the only way to be safe from Satan and sin, that humility crushes our pride, that love und undoes our unlove for each other. It is you we look to. It is you we trust. And so we pray that in knowing you, we will sing your praises in our hearts, sing your praises in our homes, sing your praises in our churches, that we might proclaim and sing your praises.
to our neighbor and our nation and beyond to win the world. And when you return, may we hear from you, well done, good and faithful servant. Amen.